Go with me, please, to 1 Corinthians, the uh, 6th chapter. We've been on a, uh, a subject for a few weeks now that we're calling the Temple of the Holy Spirit. And we actually got to a passage last week that ties perfectly into today. I think you can see that in just a moment, but let's read our text. In 1 Corinthians 6, they were saying, and this is, if you look at different translations, you'll see this first phrase, verse 12, was in quotations. A lot of translations will have this in quotations, saying, indicating that Paul is quoting somebody else, actually quoting them, the church at Corinth. When they said, all things are lawful to me, he went on to say, but all things are not expedient. Then he quoted again what they say, all things are lawful for me. He said, yeah, but I won't be brought under the power of any. This was a a slogan or a saying, if you will, that they had at the church at Corinth. All things are allowed. All things are permissible. Keep reading in verse 13. He said, and this is the King James, meats is the word for foods, foods for the belly or stomach and the stomach for foods, but God shall destroy. That's the word for render useless, render useless both it and them. And then he goes on to say, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, this ties in with the previous chapter. Verse 5, because he had just dealt with a situation of people living together that shouldn't have been. And he goes on to say, verse 14, God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. The Spirit of God through him is revealing to them that the body is important and it matters what you do with your body. Because some of their belief was, oh, this body is it's going to soon be gone. It's just natural. It's not spiritual. It doesn't matter that much what you do with it. And that is not true. That is not so. The Lord bought and paid for this body. This one. Right here, right now. And it is now a permanent part of Christ. This body is a permanent part of Christ. Somebody says, well, no, no, I don't like this body. We're going to get a new body. It's going to be this one glorified. Now, if it wasn't this one, there wouldn't need to be a resurrection. Have you thought about that? If we're just getting a different body altogether, then no need raising this one. The reason this one's going to be raised is because it's this one that has been bought and paid for. Your body has been redeemed. This body has been bought and paid for with a big price and is redeemed. And the ultimate redemption experience is that it is made immortal, incorruptible. But you get to enjoy the first fruits of it now which is in the healing and strengthening and keeping. If the Lord raised up Jesus by his power, he'll raise you up too. And if the spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken 
make full of life your mortal, not immortal, mortal body. That's this one. Now we're not going to experience immortality in this body, in this life. That comes later. But we do get to get a foretaste, a little bit of resurrection power working in us to heal us, to restore us, to keep us going till we finish this race. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it out loud. Touch your hand or something and say, this body body has been bought bought and redeemed. redeemed. This body body is a permanent part part of Christ. Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I assure you, you might say, well, I I don't like my body. Well, you need to change that. It's the only one you got. But I assure you, when the Lord gets through glorifying it, you're going to be very happy with it. You, nothing you're not going to be happy with. All the stuff you're unhappy with now has to do with the curse and sin and the imperfections that resulted from that and, and aging and all of that stuff. But that is going to be fixed. Can you say thank you, Lord? Verse 15 says, Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? Or we'd say prostitute? God forbid. Now the reason he said that is because they were having real issues at the church of Corinth with people, what we'd call sleeping around. Having relations with people. And it's because, one reason is because that's just the whole city was given to it. But before this Christian church is not very old here, and they had the temples of Aphrodite all over that place. And one history book said there were probably at least a thousand temple prostitutes in this city. That's what they did when they came to temple. And so that's what their parents did and their grandparents did. And so their saying is, well, the body was made to eat. And food's made for the body. And everything is permissible to us. And the reason they said that is because of a misapplication of grace. They said all things are permissible. And the Spirit of God is correcting them. Through Paul telling them, no, no, your body wasn't just made to eat and fornicate. Your body was made for the Lord. Come on, read it again, verse 15. What did he say? Don't you know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ, make them the members of a prostitute? No, God forbid. Verse 16, what? Don't you know? He was joined to the harlot, the prostitutes, one body. For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that's joined to the Lord's one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin a man does is without the body. But he that commits fornication sins against his own body. Does it matter what you do with your body? It does. It does. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you which you have of God, and you are not your own. Now see, this is completely contrary to what you're hearing out of the world. Because you hear this so many times, it's my body. 
It's my body to do with what I want. Well, are you a, are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, it's not your body. It's not your body to do with what you want to. Now, if you're not a Christian, well, do whatever you want. But what did he say? Don't you know? Your body, so everybody said out loud, my body, my body is, the is the temple of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit which, I have of God. which I have of God. That's saying the Holy Spirit of God is in me. And said out loud, I am not my own. Say it three more times. I am not my own. I am not my own. One more time. I am not my own. I'm not my own. Verse 20. For you're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. And actually the words and in your spirit. That's not in the original text. Now obviously you want to glorify God with your whole being. But he's emphasizing in this passage what you do with your body. Glorify God in your body, which is God's. Say it out loud again. It matters matters. what I do do with my body. body. Back up to the fifth chapter, and you'll see how he got into this. Chapter 5 and verse 1. He said, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles. Now, fornication is uh, sex, sex outside of covenant, that one should have his father's wife. And if you read 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, there's indication that his father is still alive and in the church there. And so, apparently, his, uh, his father and this man's stepmother were there and, I guess, got saved and coming to church. And then somewhere along the way, this man and his stepmother decide that they should be together. And so she leaves his father and either moves in with him or they get married. And... Uh, Remember, what is their mantra at the church at Corinth? All things are lawful. All things are permissible. Now now read the next verse. And you are puffed up. Now puffed up means proud and haughty about this. And have not rather mourned that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now, why would they be puffed up about this? They're proud that they got this going on in the church? Well, the eighth chapter of 1 Corinthians talks about that knowledge puffs up. They thought they had knowledge, superior revelation. And we know, looking at other scriptures, they thought they had a superior revelation of grace. That all things are permissible. And that they had, uh, this man and his stepmother, they had prayed about it. And felt like the Lord said it'd be all right. (laughs) Y'all are quiet. (laughs) Now, 
there's specific scripture that forbids this. Leviticus 18.8 specifically says that you're not, you know, that a, that a person, a man was not to be involved with his, well, there it is, the nakedness of your father's wife, you shall not uncover. So how did they get rid of that verse? How did they just decide, you know, we're under grace now. We can forget about Leviticus. Does it sound familiar? I challenge, you know, you know a, f- a few weeks ago, we read through Leviticus 18. Because the whole chapter is verse by verse telling you who not to have sex with. Starts with your close kin folks. How many think that's still a good idea? It's still right. I challenge you, go back and read that chapter, Leviticus 18, and find which verses you can throw away now. Because people are. The verses in that chapter, people are absolutely just throwing away. Yeah, but why is it okay that, oh yeah, we agree with this verse. But no, this one, let's just, let's ignore it. How do you know which ones to keep? And which ones to throw away? Now, we mentioned in Romans, the third chapter, and what's it, verse 31, I think, Romans 3.31. This is New Testament. It says, do we make void the law through faith? Do a lot of people believe that you do? Yeah, they do. He said, God forbid. No, we establish the law. Really? That's not what's taught in a lot of places. Many places either say it or assume that you can pretty much just ignore the Old Testament. That's not for us nowadays. That's not to us. And yet, do you know how many Old Testament verses are quoted in the New Testament? And, and so many of them you could quote and people go, oh yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Well, how do we know which ones to pick? Which ones to keep and which ones to throw away? No, actually the term Old Testament is not just the, the, the best description for all the books prior to Matthew. That's not the name the Lord gave it per se. Old Covenant is referred to in the New Testament because of the New Covenant. But all of these books from Genesis to Malachi, they're dealing with a whole lot more than covenant. There's the writings of the prophets. Is that right? There's Genesis and creation accounts and I mean on and on and on. And what you'll find is the Word of God is the Word of God. It was true when He said it. It's true now. It'll never change. It was right then. It'll always be right. Let let me read uh, other translations of this. The Weiss translation says, Romans 3.31, Are we making law of none effect through the faith? Let not such a thing be considered. Certainly we are establishing law. Holman says, do we cancel the law through faith? Absolutely not. 
On the contrary, we uphold the law. The Living Bible says, do we no longer need to obey God's laws? Just the opposite. Is this Romans in the New Testament? New Living says, if we emphasize faith, does this mean we can forget about the law? Of course not, (laughs) is what he said. Weymouth says, do we by means of faith abolish the law? No, indeed. We give the law a firmer footing. That's not what most New Testament people believe, is it? Let me read a couple. We started this last Sunday, and we didn't finish it. I want to read some things the Bible said about the Word. We said Psalm 119, that whole psalm, as long as chapter in the Bible, every verse is about the Word of God and about loving the Word of God. Listen to Psalm 119.89. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Do you believe that? There was no New Testament when that was written. So what's he calling the word of God? Verse 142 says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Your law is truth. Say it out loud. His law law is truth. truth. Well, when does truth stop being truth? Verse 144 says, The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. 160, Your word is true from the beginning, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Is that true? So how can we just push all of what we call the Old Testament aside and go, well, that, you know, that's what they did at the church of Corinth. They said it doesn't matter what Leviticus says. I know it says specifically, 18.8, that you're not supposed to live with or marry or have relations with your stepmother. But we're not under the law. We're under grace. And we love each other. And we have found that we are each other's soulmate. And we prayed about it. And the Lord told us it'd be all right. (laughs) I see people going, "Uh uh-uh. No, no. Okay. What about all the other situations where people are saying and doing that? We've got to make up our mind which verses we're keeping and which ones we're throwing away. And we've already talked about Jesus said that till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle would fail from the law. And anybody that taught men to ignore it would be the least. And he said he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill To fulfill. Have all the prophecies been fulfilled? No. No. Now we no longer observe all of the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. Why? It's been fulfilled. Is that right? Jesus has fulfilled it once and for all with his death, burial, and resurrection. It wasn't animal blood. It was his blood that was shed and bought our redemption. 
We don't stone people if they're caught breaking one of these uh, commands. Why? Because Jesus went to the cross in our place. He took the punishment. He paid the price for every sin and failure. Come on, can you see what I'm talking about? That's why we don't do that. But, for instance, in the Ten Commandments, which one of those is not good anymore? Which one of those we saw, you know, you can forget about, you know, worship the Lord God only, Him only. No, that's still good. Is that right? Don't blaspheme His name. No, that's still good. Don't lie. Still good. Is that right? <laughs> don't murder. Don't steal. Still, still right. How many think maybe all of them are still right? What do you think? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad we agree about that. I'm, I'm liking it. Hallelujah. Go to Matthew 15. <laughs> Matthew 15. Matthew 15. This is also recorded in... Uh, what is it? Is it Luke 7, I believe. We'll, we'll be talking about it. Mark 7. Mark 7. Matthew 15. Are you there? We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read in the Amplified. And you can follow with whatever you have. It said, verse 1, From Jerusalem came scribes and Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the strictest sect of the Jewish religion. They really adhered to the word you would call them the word people of their day and the scribes were those that had multiple degrees and it was their life to study the scriptures they'd be doctors of the law they're called and uh, so these are people who are supposed to know the word because especially then most people couldn't read and write and these people not only could read and write, they could read and write multiple languages. And they had access to the scroll. Most people didn't have a book at their house. Aren't we blessed? And uh, they came and they said, verse 2, Why do your disciples transgress and violate the rules handed down by the elders of the past? Or traditions is what King James says. For they don't practice washing their hands before they eat. Jesus replied and said, why do you transgress and violate the commandment of God for the sake of your rules handed to you by your forefathers? Now the word tradition is what's used in the King James here. And that word means, is what the Amplified says, that which is handed down, that which is passed down. Now generally when we think, we hear of a tradition, we think of something older. But you can have brand new traditions. And all religious traditions are newer than God's word. Nothing is older than God's truth. And so these traditions are new replacements for scripture. You'll see that's what they're getting into here. They said, why don't you keep the traditions? They had developed. Maybe this is where that phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness, came from. Which is not a scripture. But they had a very regimented ritual 
of uh, washing. And they would wash their hands. Uh, one thing said they washed them with clenched fist. It's not very effective, is it? <laughs> Of course, this is before much revelation about germs and all that. They're not doing this to avoid germs. They're doing it as a religious thing. And washing of cups and pots. and I mean, it was a real thing. They, they could have had a sign that said the first church of washing. <laughs> but this was such a big deal to them that they happened to see and they're looking for it. Jesus' disciples went in and sat down to eat and didn't wash their hands. Mm. Next thing you know, we got scribes come down from headquarters. <laughs> and they challenged Jesus in front of people. Why don't your followers keep the washings? Why don't they do it? These are the things that have been passed down by the elders and by the people who know. All of us practice them. Why don't your guys practice them? And he said, uh, why don't you obey the word of God? (laughs) And it's on. (laughs) Can you see this? He said for God, verse 4, God commanded honor your father and your mother. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah. Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses or reviles or speaks evil. Improperly treats his father. Let him come to his end by death. That was a crime punishable by death. If you cussed your mother out. You died. <laughs> or if you slapped your mama. You died. Wrong or right? You don't want to disagree with God now. So then we should we stone people that, that cuss mama now? No. Why? Thank God Jesus. He went to the cross. He paid the price for everybody that's ever cussed mama. And so they don't have to pay the price and redemption is possible. They can be forgiven. But it, why would the punishment be so severe? The Lord wants everybody to see how serious this is. Right? And when there's such a major deterrent, you don't have as much of it. Some yahoo get all worked up and start to slap mom and go, oh. You know, I would like to live a little longer. I better go cool off. Deterrent still work today. He said, God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and let he who curses or reviles, you know, die the death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother what you would have gained from me, money or what might have been used to help you, is already dedicated as a gift to God then he's exempt and no longer under obligation to honor and help his father or his mother. This was something they had come up with at the temple that 
If you dedicated your money and your things to God, then you are relieved from doing anything for your mother and father. And of course, the ones that came up with it are the ones that received the offerings. But do you see how crafty the devil is? See, this sounds like noble, dedicating your money to the Lord. But in order to do that, what do you have to do? You've got to throw away commandment number five of the Ten Commandments. You've got to absolutely pitch it. Look in, in Exodus. Exodus 20, 12. Let's go back and look at that. You can read it on the screen. Exodus 20, 12. This is the, of the Ten Commandments. This is number five. Should we still respect the Ten Commandments? Oh, God wrote it with his finger in stone. He said, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Is that true? Is it still true? How long will it be true and, and right? Deuteronomy 5 and 16, Deuteronomy 5 and 16 repeated it. It said, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged. Man, here's a key to living long, isn't it? If you don't treat your mother and father right, you don't treat other people right. And if you don't have respect for them, you don't have respect for God either. That's just how it works. But if you learn it as a child, hallelujah, and you practice it, you'll apply it to God when you get old enough to know him. Then you'll apply it to other people. You'll apply it to your teachers and to your boss. And the list goes on and it'll go well with you. And you'll live long on the earth. Yeah, but this is Old Testament. Not for us nowadays. We live by faith under grace. Romans 3.31. Does faith eliminate the word and the law? No. No. There was never anything wrong with the law or the commandments or the statutes or the ordinance. Never anything wrong with it. It was perfect. The problem was people didn't keep it. They couldn't keep it. So Jesus had to come. And provide us a way of redemption. Because we didn't become righteous by keeping the law. And nobody will be righteous and saved by keeping the law. That's only by faith in Jesus. But it doesn't mean the law is no good anymore. He said that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now go with me to Ephesians 6. That's in the New Testament. Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, obey refers to the child. When you're an adult, you're not a child any longer. And that doesn't mean you're supposed to obey every ungodly thing a parent might say. 
You need to be led by the Spirit. But even though you're no longer a child, children are supposed to obey. I said children are not supposed to be left to their own device. They're supposed to do what they're told. That's not popular either. But it's still right. And verse 2, honor your father and mother. Hold on, I've heard that somewhere before. This is New Testament, which is the first commandment with a promise. Not the first commandment. The first commandment was, you know, the Lord, he's your God, him only. This is the first commandment that had a promise attached to it. That it may be well with you. And you may live long on earth. He is reading this like it applies to us today. Is he? He's quoting the fifth commandment. Word for word. And acting like it applies to New Testament spirit filled Christians at the church at Ephesus. Is that true or not? Well then what about the other nine? What about the other statutes and ordinances? What about everything God said? When did it change? How do we know which ones to pick and throw away? Go back with me to Matthew 15. If the Word of God is not your standard, if it is not your final authority, you will never be stable. You will never escape instability. Why? Because all you'll have are the opinions and beliefs of men. And those change. Is that right? On a regular, even if it's your own. I've had people want to get in my face and say, well, I got a right to my beliefs just as much as you do. I say, no, you don't. That made a matter. I say, no, you don't. You don't, and I don't either. If we're Christians, now if you're not a Christian, you believe anything you want to. But if you're a Christian, you are not supposed to make up your own beliefs. You're supposed to believe what he told you. It is written. That's how Jesus overcame the devil. And the servant's not above his master. If that's how he overcame, that's how you overcome. And you see what I'm talking about with stability? When the enemy pushed Jesus and tempted him about some of these things. If you be the son of God. Command these stones that they be made bread. He was not in a pickle. He was not in a zone of confusion. Because he knew the word. And the word was his final authority. It's his answer. Nothing to debate. Nothing to discuss. Is that right? Fall down. Worship me. All this will be yours. He's got a word. You'll worship the Lord your God and him only you will worship. So there is nothing to discuss, nothing to debate. And that makes you stable. That makes you strong. You're not kicked around with everything that comes up and goes down. Everybody's conviction and idea. He said, keep reading here in Matthew 15. He said, God commanded, verse 4. Honor your father and your mother. 
Verse 5, but you say, now here are the preachers. These leaders of the Pharisees, these doctors of the law, these scribes, they are the scripture experts. But they have decided they are so smart, they can add things of their own that replace what God said. It's a modern update. Yeah, they used to live like that, you know, but, you know, that's, that's too conservative. And we're not under the law. We're under grace. So that means what? That means ignore the word. Ignore the scripture. Doesn't apply anymore. No. See, that's what Jude had said. That people were coming in. That were perverting the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Into lasciviousness. What does that mean? One version said it like this. They were altering and changing grace into everything is okay. Does that sound familiar? What does it mean? And if you say, well, yeah, but the word says you're not supposed to have your stepmother. Yeah, but we're not under the law. Can you see how the church at Corinth was puffed up? And they're like, no, no, we, we, we've learned about grace. And so the word is no longer their standard and their authority. And you, you hear in the world, people keep talking about, well, that's your truth. And this is my truth. No, honey child. There's no your truth. My truth. There is the. The truth. And the scripture. Jesus said. Thy word is truth. And forever O Lord. Your word is settled in heaven. It was true then. It's true now. It'll be true a thousand years from now. No matter who comes and who goes and what they come up with, men will change, things will change, people will change. They'll write stupid books and do dumb things and they'll come and they'll go and everybody will forget about them. And the truth will remain. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord, for the unchanging truth. Of God's word. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Makes you stable. Hallelujah. You're not wondering. But now you. You hold to God's word. You won't be popular everywhere. I was looking at a, a certain church. That's been around for centuries. And their leadership got together. And. They decided that maybe they needed to adopt some modern ideas about some things. And and, um, these are, again, these are scribes. These are people with multiple doctorates in the original languages and all that kind of stuff. And so they debated for a while and they decided, okay, we're just going to accept what most people accept now. And so they did. And I'm thinking, what about the scriptures? What did you do with all those scriptures? You had to just throw them away. 
and say they no longer apply. Is that what Jesus is saying? He said, you say this. Verse 6. So for the sake of your tradition, you have set aside the word of God, depriving it of force and authority and making it of none effect. I don't want to do that. How about you, church? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And it, it is a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing. Yeah, but what if they really love each other? Okay, forget the word. Yes? No? But what if, you know, he and his stepmother, they, they found out they, they were made for each other. They should have never found that out. Are y'all with me here? I'm not just trying to make fun. I care that people get embroiled and entangled, I should say, with each other. And it's heartbreaking in these situations. But they never should have even got close. They never should have even spent time with each other, sharing their heart and their vision. That's your dad's wife. That's your stepmother. You don't go to lunch and hang out. Why? Because it is written. It is written. You don't get with your stepmother. It's written. Yeah, but that's Leviticus. So is uh, honor your father and mothers in Exodus. And how many other verses? The New Testament is full, replete with quotes from what we call the Old Testament. Acting like it applies to us today. Because it does. Hallelujah. Let's read this in Mark 7. Because Mark says some things that Matthew here didn't say. Verse 1, Mark 7. Said they came together the Pharisees and certain scribes. And they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say unwashing hands. They found fault. Over what? This is the new belief. It's more important than scripture. It's washings. Somebody got a revelation. They were praying and it just came to them. Washings. And they shared it with some of the other ministers. And they thought, this is God. This is it. Washings. And so now this has been going on for more than one generation. And and just because something is old doesn't make it right. Just because people say it doesn't make it true. Just because people feel very strongly about it doesn't make it true. Just because millions of people believe it. Doesn't make it true. That's what deception is all about. And that's the main tool the enemy uses. How can you know something is truth? Thy word is truth. Oh, I'm so thankful for this book. Takes it out of my opinion, your opinion. Don't argue with people about what you and they believe. 
Stop it. Don't argue with them about what your church believes. Or what your preacher preaches. Take it to the word. Is that right? If you don't have any word for it, you shouldn't be saying much about it anyway. But when the word is clear, take it to the word. If they don't care about that, then they're not going to care about what you say. Y'all need to change the subject. Ain't no point. There's no point. If the word's not important to them, God's not important to them. Now, now people will argue about that. Go, no, I love God with all my heart. Yeah, but you ignore everything he says. How does that work? You imagine you do. But it's not true. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Isn't that what he said? That is what reveals it, whether it's me or you or any of us. Keep reading. They found fault because his disciples ate bread with defiled, unwashing hands. I mean, after they saw him, they got over in the corner and said, did you see how dirty Thomas's hands were? You see, Peter didn't wash his face, didn't wash his hands. For all the Pharisees and Jews, except they washed their hands off and eat not holding the tradition Tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they don't eat. And many other things there be, and they've received a whole washing of cups and pots and vessels and, and tables. We can't eat till we wash this table. We can't eat till we wash this pot. We can't eat. We've got to wash, wash. That is what had become God to them. This is what is godly. And there were no scriptures for it. None. It's an invention of religious people. But it's more important to them than the scriptures. Actually replacing scriptures. Then the Pharisees and scribes says, why don't your disciples walk according to the tradition of the elders and they eat bread with unwashing hands? He said, well has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. I don't know when the last time these doctors of the law got called hypocrites publicly, but just happened. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They talk about God all the time, but they don't know him. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many such like things you do. He said to them, full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Moses said, honor your father and mother. Whoever curses father and mother, let him die of the death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, it's korban. They had a word for it. It's a gift. You, you could have been profited by me, but I've dedicated it all to God so he shall be free and you suffer him no more to do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered and many such like things you do. That's exactly what happened at the church at Corinth. They said because of their superior revelation of grace that all things are permissible to us now. We're not under the law. We can ignore the scripture. 
that says this is not supposed to happen. But the Spirit of God through Paul said, you are absolutely not going to ignore that. You're going to put him out, and I mean right now, because if you don't, that will spread through the whole church. Is he right? Is the Word of God right? Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.